I don't know about you guys, but I am in constant need of a good, healthy snack to just throw in my purse and to take with me on the go, which is why today's episode is brought to you by Kind Bar. Kind is deeply committed to crafting food with real, recognizable ingredients, a disruptive notion that sparked the creation of a new healthy snacking category. Kind is unapologetic in their efforts to challenge the status quo to shift the food industry and empower their community and our listeners to make better, more informed choices about health. Kindness can be transformative, which is why we are teaming up with Kind and Podgo to bring our listeners 10% off. Go to podgo.co slash kind. That's podgo.co slash kind. Kind Bar, creating a kinder, healthier world, one act and one snack at a time. listening to the She's Going Places podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and welcome back to another Wednesday. This week, we are diving in to a series I've seriously been thinking about doing for such a long time. This is the first episode of our Enneagram series, and the reason why I've been so excited to do it is because I just thought, let me just paint you a picture here. There are so many people who are a thousand times more qualified than me (laughs) to talk about the Enneagram, okay? There are people who have their doctorate in psychology. There are people who have studied the Enneagram, who know everything about personality tests. Like, you could, there's so many experts that you can go listen to. And I'm here to tell you why you should listen to this one. I am just bringing on for this series people in my life who are these types and essentially just taking regular people talking about the Enneagram and like how it's helped them grow and self-reflect and what they relate to and what they don't. And overall, it just like serves as a reminder that the Enneagram is just supposed to be a tool to better yourself. It's not this perfect box that you're supposed to fit in. And so I had such a blast sitting down with these three girls, just hearing about their experience as an Enneagram too, seeing what they agree with, what they don't, what they relate to, what they don't. They were able to have really honest conversation and share a lot with y'all about how they feel in their outlook on the world. So whether you are a two, you have a friend who's a two, or you just want to learn more about twos, this episode is literally perfect. And also a part of the series that I love is that I wanted to highlight these numbers on the month. So this is my last week of February, which means second month Enneagram two. And you're probably asking yourself, that sounds really cute, Taylor, but where was my Enneagram one episode last month? And my reasoning for not doing that was that Back when Kenzie and I had started the podcast, we did an Enneagram 1 and an Enneagram 3 episode because that's what we were. And so I was like, ooh, they definitely don't want another one. But I think I've decided that, eh, I'm going to do it. So we're definitely going to do Enneagram 3 next um, week, if not next week, goodness no, next month if you guys want me to, um, and we'll circle back to one later, maybe for 10th. That would make sense, like for October 1, whatever. I don't know. Definitely my OCD, that definitely bothers me, but we're just going to roll with it. I seriously hope that you guys love this episode. Quick reminder, go follow us on Instagram at She's Going Places Podcast. If you haven't before, seriously, go stop. Give us a review, five stars. It seriously means the world and changes everything for us on the back end so that more people can find the podcast. So ready? I'm going to give you guys a second. Go review really quick. (laughs) Scroll down. Just hit a button. Okay, thank you so much for doing that. I literally love you guys. Okay, enjoy the episode. 
I just want to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Liz Elsie. I'm a sophomore at Stanford. I'm super excited to be here. I've been waiting to be on the podcast <laughs> for so long. <laughs> hey, I'm Emily. I'm a senior at Stanford, and I'm so excited to be on here. Hi, I'm Mackie, and I'm also a sophomore at Stanford. And thank you so much, Taylor, for having us on your podcast. And they're all Enneagram twos. <laughs> Woo. Okay, so essentially, let's just hop right into it. Is what do you think characterizes yourself as an Enneagram two? Like, what is that thing where you're like, oh, I'm a two because this? Um, I feel like me and my friends always joke that I'm the stereotypical two just because I have all the good, bad, and the ugly of the two, but I think the one that stands out is just constantly needing to help people or, like, wanting to help people and kind of being the first to um, offer to do that would probably Mm -hmm. be mine. Yeah, I'd say I'm, like, kind of the same. I'm very aware when something needs – someone needs help, Um, and so I just think that that's the way that I care for people the best. I think for me it's a little different. I think my basic – desire is to feel loved and so it's not I mean obviously I do have that desire to help too but I think that I relate more with twos and the fact that I really have a desire to be loved and out of that I help people um so I think that's why I would say I'm an Enneagram too yeah okay do you feel basic being an Enneagram too especially being in like going to Sanford or like being in Christian culture yes definitely (laughs) I think at Sanford especially if you just take the test most people, most girls test as twos just because everyone's be a helper, but you can be helpful without being a two. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I definitely do feel basic, but it's when I like read books about it and kind of did more research that I figured out that my like deep, the deep parts of me are also two. Mm-hmm. All of my roommates are currently twos, and so that's kind of <laughs> our joke, is that we're all like kind of doing the same thing. And so I wouldn't say that we feel basic, but I feel like we understand each other in a really cool level. Um, and so that's kind of helped because we're all kind of doing the same things in terms of um, how we're treating each other and like how we want to be loved. So it's easy to show love to them. That's that's a really good point. That's really funny that all your roommates. Yeah, I didn't realize that until right now. <laughs> and I consider myself your fifth roommate. So oh, yeah. and I do too. Oh yeah, she's an honorary <laughs> roommate. Mm-hmm. We love it. And so do you think that Christian girls are taught that this is the right Enneagram type? in the sense of, like, being a quote-unquote Proverbs 31 woman, where there's all these things that you should be as, like, a wife or a girl in the faith, and a lot of those characteristics match up with being an Enneagram, too. What do y'all think? Yeah, I could say that I've seen lots of, like, articles and stuff where it's, like, Jesus would be a two, and that's just, like, I feel (laughs) like, like, oh, I'm, like, no, Jesus would have all of them in the perfect way, but I think that it's, when you think of just a two, you might only think of, like, the good parts of a two. So it, like, sounds glamorous, but also, like, we do have weaknesses and we do have parts that we can work on, too. So I feel like most girls, like, just the title of being the helper um, is, like, what girls think they should be. And just, like, being – it's, like, very nurturing and motherly. So I think that stereotype can definitely come through. Perfect. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to hop into assumptions that people have submitted about Enneagram 2s. So it's like that Instagram trend where there's sending your assumptions about me, and essentially you guys, if you feel so inclined, you say like yes or no that that applies to you, and then kind of elaborate. Okay, first one, and you guys are going to cringe when I say this one. (laughs) You are extremely sweet and kind. Yes or no? 
If I'm speaking on Liz and Emily, I would say yes. People that I've ever met. That's what I would say the same for Mackie. Yes, but I feel like I do have a feisty side. I could, I could easily, I could easily get not sweet in certain situations. I definitely think like I value kindness big time, and I think it's one quality that I notice above all else when I'm like seeing someone for the first time or meeting them. I kindness always sticks out. But I will say, like, there's kind of, like, a toothache sweet that I've noticed of just, like, 100% sweetheart girls. And I don't know if I'm in that range. Like you said, I think I have a little bit of just, like... A little bit of spice. A little bit of spice. <laughs> it's okay. I have a lot of bit of spice. And so I am here with a little bit of spice. Okay, next one. You love to help people. I would say I genuinely do. I have a really hard time saying no. And that's not out of what I've learned lately is luckily that's not out of like a need to make them. I'm trying to get better with people pleasing. And I really don't think that um, desire to help comes from that anymore. I really think I just am trying to help. But I will say that um, I genuinely do like to help. I Mm -hmm. just think boundaries are hard sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say the same thing. I feel like the way I show love most is acts of service. Um, and so that goes along with being helpful. So the same way, like it's the boundaries can get kind of fuzzy of am I doing this just because I want to or am I doing this to feel like I'm needed? But I feel like for the most part, I generally just do love to help. Mm-hmm. What about you, Mackie? I feel like I do love to help, but also my love language is acts of service so I don't know sometimes if I'm helping someone else because I'm like oh maybe they'll help me too yeah. and that's what I really like so mm-hmm. I definitely have to work on just seeing the difference between those two things but I would say that I do enjoy helping other people do you guys feel fulfilled when you help other people like do you think that fills you yes, I do, so. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. okay next one you are the mom of the group I was um for my superlative in high school I was voted my class mom so (laughs) that does ring true that's so funny I yeah I feel like I've been definitely have been called the mom of the group yes and with my high school friends and my college friends it's always been my title but I love it (laughs) amazing (laughs) literally every you need a good mom of the group everyone needs someone to take care of someone grab an enneagram too but sometimes y'all need moms, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, I definitely mm. need a mom. <laughs> yeah. like that can be hard. Sometimes Taylor's, Taylor's the mom. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I feel like there's, like, inner Oh, yeah. What are all of your wings? I'm a wing three. I think I'm a wing three. I'm a wing one. Okay. So that gives you guys some context there. Mm-hmm. Just a little different. Okay. Next one. You like being needed by others. But take this more in, like, we're moving more in probably like the middle ground of questions where it's just like at your inner core, it's like why? Like if you say yes, like why? What's the motivation there on a little bit of a deeper level? Yeah, I definitely like being needed by others. And it sometimes can be very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, why? Um, I think I just – well, one, I just like to be the friend that everyone goes to. I think it can honestly be jealousy in some ways. Like I like to be the first one that you go to for advice or the first one you ask for, for help because it does fulfill me. But then if I, for some, like, if I'm not that person, which I understand, like, I'm not going to be everyone's first person, Mm -hmm. then I can get into, like, a really, like, I can get down on myself or I can get really jealous. Yeah. I feel that because I'm a three-wing, too. So Mm -hmm. I definitely have some, like, 
bits of two and I in the same way it's like I like being people's like advice person and if it's mm-hmm. not me I sometimes like take that upon myself and it's like selfishly I'm like well why didn't you pick me yeah why was that not me that you needed so that's just Taylor things to work on uh, yeah and a more like light-hearted funny story I've told Taylor this before <laughs> but when I was in elementary school I used to keep a box of forks with me at all times because you could use like you could use the microwaves and everyone would always forget it and so I would always have some so that people would come up to me and say hey Mackie like I forgot a fork will you please give me one and I felt so good I was like yeah like here you go here you go I just wanted to be needed in that way and I thought it was fun when people would come and ask me so that I could provide for them so I feel like yeah I would like I do like feeling needed (laughs) it's not like the most like keeping a box of plastic forks in her lunchbox like just waiting being like this girl's gonna need me and i can picture you like not even waiting for them to ask you just like pop it on the table you're like whoever needs them they're right here do you you need a fork today (laughs) (laughs) um i would say i like feeling needed in the sense of like i like feeling if i wasn't there that i'd like be missed in that sense Mm -hmm. like i mean i feel like everyone feels that way but just like that your presence is needed to either bring, like, calmness or anything. But I'm also very independent, so I don't think that I – it's not that I, like, shy away from people needing me, but I also think that I don't love to be, like, the one person someone's depending on. I really kind of pull back from that. Interesting. Okay. (laughs) This one, we'll do some real introspection (laughs) here. You see yourself in Enneagram 2 – as the ideal type? I don't know if I see myself as the ideal type because there's definitely aspects of other types that I admire that I kind of wish I could be more like. But with being an Enneagram 2, there's definitely some pride. And I don't even know if it's just pride about being a 2, but like that's like the um, one of the – or it's the sin that um, to struggle with. And so I definitely feel that I can be prideful in a lot of ways, which is not – healthy but I guess that was the question mm-hmm. but do you like look at like you being like when you say you're a two because some people like when they say they're a number I'm trying to think of one like for example like there's like a level I don't want to say shame but like when people are like oh I'm an eight and everyone's like it's like oh so she's really aggressive or mm-hmm. she's really mean like whereas like twos you're like I'm a two like I'm this like perfect little wrapped with a bow <laughs> like everyone wants to be friends with a two like do you ever like feel that way about, like, being, like, oh, yeah, I'm an Enneagram, too. I feel like you said there's a certain connotation with twos, Mm -hmm. and so I think that not knowing someone really well, saying that I'm a two, like, kind of initiates, like, a, oh, they're, like, gentle, or they're, you know, and so I think that that kind of helps with first impressions, but in terms of, like, friends that know me really well, I don't think that saying my type really has, like, a big impact on them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that, and I feel like there's so many aspects to all the numbers that are like really great qualities to have Mm -hmm. so I feel like there's not an ideal type but I definitely do like being like oh yeah I'm a two Mm -hmm. and then especially Mm -hmm. like at Sanford most likely someone's (laughs) gonna say oh yeah me too and I'm like oh yeah girl (laughs) it's such a like way to get connected (laughs) you're just like oh that's two okay next question you are loyal to a fault and, like, for an example, it's, like, you say yes to everything. Like, there's, like, no limit to your loyalty. And so it hurts you. I 
I feel like this could be yes and no. I think it's definitely something that I'm working on, but just like Emily was saying earlier, I can have a hard time saying no to people to the point where I um, neglect my own needs and I just like end up totally worn out. But especially in college, I've realized that in order to like love others well and like be a good friend to others, I also have to take that time for myself or else like me going to everything isn't even going to be worth it because I'm just going to be in a bad mood or I'm going to be run down. So I feel like if you're kind of in an unhealthy season of life, that can be the case, but that's definitely something I've been learning. Do you think that your, like, loyalty, maybe let's go specifically into relationships, like, your loyalty to friendships, like, do you do you ever see yourself staying in friendships longer than you should based out of loyalty or based on, like, if someone's, like, not doing well and you're like, I can help them, I can fix them, like, have you guys ever experienced that in relationships? Yeah, I would say so. Some of my friends that made it, might have, like, I needed to let go of them mm-hmm. earlier on, I could have stayed longer and it just became kind of toxic for both of yeah. us. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that too. I agree with what was said. I think it's like really easy with like kind of just the nature of twos to like really see the best in people. And so I think mm-hmm. that it wouldn't be like a degree of loyalty that I stuck with them, but it was like trying to see past like whatever they were yeah. doing and like justify it mm-hmm. and be like, oh this is just like they're in a rut right now or like they're in a funk. They're gonna get so much better and um, I think holding on for that, not in the sense of, like, oh, I have this duty to them, but just, like, wanting to stick by them and mm-hmm. And making excuses out. for behavior. Absolutely. You think so? Yeah. Okay. You are too sensitive. As they all giggle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think I'm very sensitive. I do not like conflict, and I don't like criticism. Even if it is in the nicest, sweetest way you could present criticism to me, I do not like it. I'm pretty sensitive to it. And then I'm just sensitive in other ways, too. Just, like, if I watch a sad movie, I'm definitely going to be crying. So, yes, I would say I'm very sensitive. (laughs) I think along with what Mackie was saying, like, I'm very sensitive when it comes – I'm very good at, like, empathizing, Mm -hmm. and I think that sometimes, like, to a bad degree of, like, watching movies like I can't watch something really simple without crying sometimes um but I think that I've gotten a lot better in college about taking everything not so personally I've really tried to work on like that isn't I don't know just to not take everything so personally because I think some things are just said that were not meant to hurt you or there were constructive criticism or something and I think taking it the wrong way can really stop that from being any kind Mm -hmm. of constructive criticism so I've been better about like relationship wise being sensitive but I think I am just very like if someone's crying around me I feel that too Mm -hmm. I mean I'm sensitive to those emotions Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I feel like I've recently grown in just the confrontation side of things like yeah it might hurt for a little bit and I can be sensitive in that way but normally it doesn't take me too long to get over it but in the same way that Emily was saying I'm super empathetic in the sense of like if my friend's crying about something that's not even related to me I will probably be crying too Mm -hmm. um which I think some, like my friends appreciate because I can kind of get on their level um, in a lot of ways. But, yes, that could be – my friends always say that I cry enough for all of us. So. <laughs> <laughs> Literally me too. It's okay. Now I can just blame it on my wing too. That's why I cry. <laughs> okay. You are a doormat. Cue Emily's TikTok. <laughs> Last year. We have – yeah, all of our roommates have a joke about this. Um, 
and seeing that we're the doormats because there are times that are like, I think it's, it's not in the serious level of like, if I truly think that I need to stand up for myself, I've gotten so much better as I've gotten older, like standing up for things or defending myself if I need to. But I think in like lighthearted, silly situations, there's a lot of times where I am a doormat. Um, for example, one of the doormat <laughs> stories that we always joke about is we went to Bubba Gump's in Florida and the waitress had this, I, we didn't get any menus, um, like very quickly. So we were all really hungry. We were just trying to get something to eat. And the waitress said, um, that I would like this dish and I didn't even get the chance to look at it. And I said, I, I don't know if I would. And she goes, Oh, you would like it. I was like, okay, sure. And then I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think in those situations, like, customer service kind of things I'll buy sweaters because I tried them on oh yeah I remember <laughs> that too yeah I'll go out no, Emily. oh yeah oh <laughs> this girl I remember our sophomore year she were she literally went and did all of this great freelance work and was like busting her butt and she went into the store to like she's like oh I'll try on this sweater and the girl was like it looks really good on you and Emily was like oh are you sure she goes like no it looks great on you she goes okay I'll buy it <laughs> I got she done. Was like totally doing your job and just hyping it up and for me I thought that this was very personal and I was like if I don't get the sweater like it's She's not like they work on commission but in no. my head I was like I need to buy this sweater and make this uh-huh. an accomplishment for her today yeah she, she got me to oh, buy this sweater <laughs> and so I just remember being in her room and her coming back and being like well I bought two sweaters I was like okay um, I thought they were cute they, they were cute. Yeah. so cute great gotta, sweaters gotta wear them more yeah for sure this is motivation for it uh-huh <laughs> Okay, you secretly want others to check in on you. Yes, for sure. I feel like just like you were saying earlier how we're always the moms of the group, and we still need moms. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think um, sometimes I can get in, like, an unhealthy mindset of, like, oh, I've been doing all this. I've been giving to all my friends. Like, where's the – where are they – Yeah, and it's just, like, obviously all my friends show love in different ways, so it's not like they're neglecting me, but just – and my expectations are in my head. It can sometimes feel that way. So I definitely um, – I'm not a person who is just going to open up very easily. Like, I'm, I want to be asked to, like, talk about it or ask how you're doing. I'm not just going to kind of, like, offer up that information. So sometimes I do feel like I would like to be asked more how I'm doing. I would say I really value, like, friends being intuitive of, like, there are some mm. days that I really want to talk and really want to check in. And then there are some days where – I really don't want to open that door and just want to like kind of escape it for a day and do something lighthearted. So I really value that in a lot of friendships that I have of just they know when to kind of push the envelope and ask me those questions and get me in tears or whether to just kind of move on and we'll talk about it later. So I think I love when friends check up on me, but I think I'm usually pretty expressive of like, I'm good to not talk about it Mm -hmm. for a second. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. And I think that I process things verbally anyways so and then if you're around me you'll probably know what's going on (laughs) but I do appreciate when friends do check up on me I think that's really sweet and thoughtful um, and I appreciate that this is a side bonus question but what would for anyone listening who has a friend who is an Enneagram too what would be your advice to them on like a neutral level obviously y'all our non-confrontational friends would never be like this is what I need in a friend but now to a random blank audience what would be your advice to someone on how they could be a better friend to an Enneagram too I think just like vocalizing appreciation of like I mean my love language is words of affirmation so that just might be that side of it rather than the two playing into it but I think when someone like 
is expressing what my friendship means to them or like if I helped them with something a few weeks ago and they were like oh my gosh like that was so helpful thank you for you know expressing that those kinds of things is something that I value a lot like hearing that it meant something mm-hmm. I think that because twos show love with serving if you appreciate how we've served you or um, acknowledge it I think that that is definitely showing love to too. <laughs> yeah, I think also just um, making sure you're being aware of like the friendship and like if you see that they haven't like had some time themselves so they kind of seem like run ragged with all they're doing then maybe be like hey are you good like do you need to like talk about anything that's going on because the stereotype of it too the unhealthy part of it is that you neglect your own feelings and so I feel like just being aware of like how your friend's doing and maybe asking and really being like, hey, how are you doing today um, is, like, a great way to love it, too. I'm sorry for this next question. <laughs> oh, gonna, oh, no. This one got added in a couple oh, minutes no. ago. So just strap on your boots. You guys can take a minute to think about it. You are selfish because you overcompens- because you overcompensate by being selfless. Okay, this struck a nerve so quick because this is one thing that I think all twos deal with. Actually, I'm totally generalizing, but (laughs) this is just one thing is like one of my biggest fears is being perceived as selfish. Mm -hmm. And so like if I am acting in a way that like if I'm talking about myself a lot or something – my tendency is to like apologize and be like, "Oh my gosh, I've been talking about myself all day." Like, let's like, like yesterday. I like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that's such an instinct, but like, I, I don't know why it's such a big thing for me. But like, to appear selfish is one thing I really, really don't want. So I would say like, that might be a selfish need for me to be like, "Oh, like I want to appear as selfless." But that is something that, like, I'm so aware of. If I've, like, had a lot of attention on me that day, I'm like, whoa, we got to – I don't like – like, I just yeah. feel like I'm soaking it in a little too much today. Like, we got to change it up. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can be selfish in the way of always wanting to – kind of like what Emily is saying, but always wanting to be seen as, like, the perfect little girl, the perfect friend. And so I feel like even though I know I'm not perfect, I can – be doing all these things to make it seem that way, but, like, maybe my intentions or, like, my heart won't be right towards those, like, different acts of service or, like, helping friends. Like, maybe in in my head I'm like, oh, I'm so annoyed I'm doing this, but, like, it's making me look good, like, sort of thing, which that's, like, not a normal everyday thing, but if I get into, like, an unhealthy or I'm having a bad day, that could definitely be the case. But I think something that I struggle with is always wanting to be perceived as being, I guess, like, selfless and... Like, I have it all together, and, like, I'm the person you can come to because I always have it together. So if you need – if you have mm-hmm. something, come lay it on me. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm always great type of thing. So I guess in that way, it can be selfish. Okay, next question. <laughs> now we're really – we're really just <laughs> oh boy. digging in. You play the martyr or victim because you – because people, quote, use you. And so if I'm going to dive in and explain this one a little bit more, it's the idea that you'll, like, go to someone and be like, oh, my gosh, can you believe that this, like, person, like, asked me to do all these things for them? Or can you believe, like, they, like, will, like, go on and on about all that they've done? But then in instances where it's, like, maybe I said something, I'm like, but you totally don't have to do it. Like, it's not a big deal. I'm like, no, of course I wanted to do it. 
and you don't actually stick up for yourself in the situations, but then you go home and you're like, Can, I can't, I'm going to throw a pity party for myself. And so you play this martyr and victim even though you don't stick up for yourself. And you could have, like, ended it quickly. Does that resonate for y'all? <laughs> That's funny. I do think that I kind of do that sometimes, but it's more of a thing where I play the the martyr, the victim, to myself mm-hmm. or, like, to my close close friends or my family. I don't try and, like, be like, oh, let me tell you about, you know, I don't <laughs> try and express that to everybody because I did put myself in that position sometimes. Yeah. But I can see myself doing that sometimes, definitely. Oh, yeah. I, I think – like Taylor was saying before, of like if someone's like, you totally don't have to, just because it was mentioned, now I feel the obligation to. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I know that's not like how it was meant, but I think like once I know there's something that needs to be done or that could help that person, I'm like, oh, I'm all over it. And I don't think I like hear them when they're like, you totally don't have to do this. It's not, you know, for me, I've already signed up to do it. So at that point, like, I do think that I take on something and I, build up a little bit of resentment because I'm like oh this is so much but in reality I took that task for myself as an obligation yeah I think for me like if I if I offer to do something it's normally because I genuinely want to just like we were saying we feel fulfilled by helping others but I feel like sometimes I could put too much on my plate where I'm trying to help everyone at the same time and like maybe I could get like really stressed so I'll complain about my stress I won't necessarily complain about like oh, I can't believe this person, like, asked me to do this because I genuinely do want to do it, but sometimes it's my own fault for saying yes to too much, and then I am, like, swamped, and I'm like, wow, why did I do this to myself? Like, I'm so stressed, Um, like, trying to, you know, get something together or whatever. So in that way, I can definitely (laughs) dig myself a hole. (laughs) You can be manipulative. Honestly, I would say that I – like manipulativeness is something I really can spot in like a situation and it I'm really able to see it in the situation so I'd hope that if I had that in myself I would see that too but I would just say like in other people and in their interactions with people I was like I could easily say like oh that was manipulative and can Mm -hmm. identify that so I would say that I'm not ever purposefully like trying to be manipulative but I would just hope that if I were to be it, I could spot it like I can from the outside, if that makes any sense. That's good. No, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I really agree with that. Yeah, I feel like a, a common trait of a two is just being super aware of their environment and aware of kind of like different friendships, like you're saying, like you can spot that super easily. So I feel the same way. I feel like even learning more about the Enneagram, I've become more self-aware. And obviously, manipulation is not a trait that I like <laughs> admire. So I would hope too, that I would be able to spot that because I don't think that's, like, a normal thing for me. Mm -hmm. Do you ever find yourselves in situations where maybe it's, like, you're two, so you're characterized as this sweetsy, sweetsy, dainty little flower fairy, (laughs) as I call Liz, Elsie. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, surface level, like, that's how people, like, perceive you. Do you think, and now really take your time, because I know your gut reactions, like, no, I would never do this. But do you think you have ever, or even subconsciously, taken that you know that that's how the outside world perceives you and kind of use that to your advantage to maybe make something work the way you want in any experience? Like, no one had ever doubt a two's intentions. Like, I would never be like, oh, she's, like, scheming over there. Do you think – you know what I mean? Like, I would just never – I would never look at any of you and be like, oh, that girl's scheming. 
But, like, I'm sure subconsciously it does happen. And so do you guys have any experiences where maybe on that side of manipulation, even if it's subconscious or, like, in relationships where it's, like, using some crutches of being a two to kind of get what you want? Mm. Like, charm? Like, using charm as, like, a deceptive way to get what you want? I feel like I would not want to say that about myself, but that maybe I subconsciously do that sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I would hate, like, I don't like that. That makes me feel icky inside. Of course. I do. Okay, I guess I kind of, I realize that, like, kindness or, like, sweetness definitely gets you places. It does. That harshness or, like, cruel words wouldn't. And so I think that sometimes, like, I don't think I'm trying to, like, use the person but I think that I'm obviously like there's sometimes where I'm not totally transparent if I am angry about a situation mm-hmm. and I'm like oh I'll just I need to handle this with a lot of like I need to be delicate with my words and so I guess I do like I realize the power that like kindness and like gentleness can hold and I think that sometimes I use that in situations where it would be more true to my heart to be kind of abrasive and mm-hmm. angrier yeah yeah I'm trying to think of I think one thing that I do often is if I really am upset, I'll try to mask it. So if somebody's like, are you like mad at me? You're like, what's going on? I'll just be like, oh no, I'm fine. But then if they kind of like just already assume that I am mad and their actions, whatever that may be, kind of fall in suit of like me being mad, then I'll be like, well, I said I was fine. So I don't know why you're... I do that too. Yeah. Like I, and that's, I feel like that's typical for like, that's a stereotype for girls in general, but I feel like in friendships or, like, when I'm having confrontation, um, I could be like, oh, or, like, just in the moment, like, if they ask me and I'm just, like, not even processed it yet or I just, like, don't even know why I'm mad or, you know, whatever, I just be like, oh, no, I'm fine. And then I'm like, well, why are they acting so weird towards me? I said I was fine. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. so I feel like that in a way can be manipulative. But also on the other side, I feel like sometimes when people say that I'm, like, so sweet, like, I, I don't know if it's, like, my own insecurity or something, but, or just that I'm, like, like, obviously, like, I strive to be sweet, but, like, also, I'm just, like, a normal person. Like, I have, like, rude thoughts that go through my head and stuff, mm-hmm. too. So, I'm, like, part of me is, like, I don't really believe that I'm, like, that sweet. So, on the other side, it's, like, my own insecurity where I'm, like, I'm not, like, I'm just not the type of girl that's always, like, oh, my gosh, hey, like, I love you so Like, mm-hmm. I'm not always like that. Like, I have my days. And so, I'm, like, I don't know, like, I guess I perceive myself as the more, like, real version, whereas some people might just see me as that, like, super sweet girl. Let me ask y'all this. <laughs> yeah, take it over, Matthew. Run with it. Okay, I don't like it. I don't like feeling as if somebody does not like me. And so I feel like I will maybe be a little more extra charming like or over nice yeah. to that person or to the people around them so that they're like, oh, Mackie's really sweet. But it's me just kind of really, I really want just to be liked by everyone. Mm. And so I feel like I sometimes use over niceness in a way to compensate I, for people not liking me. Like, do yes, y'all feel like that? I so really. I think, like, that's such a pet peeve of, like, not pet peeve, but, like, um, it's bothersome to know that there's someone in a group that, like, we all get along, but for some reason they just, like, don't really like you that much or they, you know they're indifferent to you even, then, like, you yeah, it up Yeah, I try to be, like, yeah. over nice mm-hmm. so that they like me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know that was just, like, a me thing. No, or yeah, I did the same. You're so right. Also, I think, like, 
going on to like the people assuming you're sweet, I think that can be kind of helpful in the sense of like, I'm really prone to overthink and like rerun interactions. And so when you think about like, oh, did that did not come off right? Like the way that I said that probably. And so I think that that can also help kind of, maybe it's manipulating my mind too. I don't know, but like making myself, okay, no, like they know who I am normally. I was just a really, I had a rough day and like, you know, and so I think that it could be used in that way too for good. Yeah. Okay. We are so close to the end. You were unsatisfied or unhappy in relationships because you are always the better friend or partner. I feel like definitely, as I've grown, I've found super quality friends that, like, it's equal. But I feel like maybe some of my more toxic friendships, like, in high school or something like that, I could definitely see that as, like, oh, I'm always checking in on you, but you're never checking in on me. And it just always felt like it was one-sided. And also that could have been my own just, like, pride of, like, oh, I'm the I'm the better friend. Like, I get nothing out of this friendship when that wasn't totally true all the time. But looking back, I could see me, like, getting really frustrated with some of my friendships in the past of just, like, do you even, like, care how I'm feeling? or Because it just doesn't always seem like it. And I think that just also comes with maturity where, like, some girls in high school aren't on the maturity level of, like, that you know, in high school you're just kind of selfish or you're just, like, you're not mature enough to, like, realize that. And so – um, but I think definitely, like, I can think that in my head, even if it's not true, I can get really frustrated and be like, they didn't even ask how I was doing, and we just had a whole conversation, and it was all about them type of thing. Um, and so that can be frustrating for me. I feel like maybe it's just, like, insecurity on my end, but sometimes I feel like, oh, I'm not a good enough friend. I and so I feel like I need to keep doing things or serving that person or... I don't know, but I feel like a lot of times I don't feel like a good enough friend. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way. Yeah, I would just say that I'm I'm better at noticing other people's, like, wow, they're such a good friend that I feel the same insecurity of just, like, I feel like I'm proving, like, oh, this friendship, I can be a great friend. Mm-hmm. So I'd say it's more on that side. I wonder if that's their three, too, because I feel like I don't feel that way, and I don't yeah. know if that's just my pride, or if yeah. it's just their, like, achiever, like, always wanting to do more, Oh yeah, too. I don't know. That's a good point. Because, like, Very I mean, I guess sometimes I felt that way, but for the majority, I'm like, dang, where? <laughs> like, no, I'm actually, I'm <laughs> actually never I'm had. Like, I hate to admit it. <laughs> you love the honesty. Okay. You are insecure and need the validation of others. I think really, <laughs> Emily and I just kind of talked about that. I do like it when people tell me that I'm a good friend mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. that the things that I do don't go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really do like having validation yeah. from other people. Yeah, I think so too. I love words of affirmation, but it's if it like is about my character. Like I always say like a girl being like, oh, you look so pretty. Like, well, that's nice. It doesn't like fill me up. And so... I feel like I really like the validation of, like, you're a great friend or you give great advice or stuff like that. But I feel like as I'm getting more mature and I'm growing, I'm not becoming as dependent on it, which is really good because I feel like definitely at times I have been dependent on that. Yeah, I would totally agree. I feel like I've gotten to a good place where it's, like, a cherry on top of, like, Mm -hmm. wow, that really boosted me up. But it's not, like – I mean, there are times when I really need – some of that in my life, like if I'm just really insecure and need like someone to speak something really great into me. But I would say for the majority, like 
it just kind of fills me up, but I'm not drawing quite as much. Like if I, I know that it's, people are busy and they don't have, they don't always think to compliment. Even like I walk by people all the time that I'm like, man, I really love their shoes or like, wow, they're always so sweet when I see them, but I've never said anything about that. Mm -hmm. You know, like I just think that compliments aren't always given. And I feel like I've grown to understand that a lot. And so I don't put quite as much weight onto them. Okay. And I think this whole interview really boils down to this like underlying question, which is like the root of who a two is. And I really want you guys to like think this one is, who are you without other people's validation? The answer I want to confidently say is that my identity is in Christ Mm -hmm. and that I know that I don't need someone's validation to define me or to identify me as that. Um, But I will say that that is something that I always have to point myself to continually because it's so like habitual that I just get in a mindset of needing that validation. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like I'll go through seasons, maybe weeks, maybe months of just like, why do I feel so low? And it's like, my identity is in all of these people right now. Mm-hmm. I just need that refresh so often. So I'd love to say, and I, I know that's true, but I think that I escape that truth for a lot of mm-hmm. my life and just yeah. kind of am living for other people's validations. And it's not until like I hit a reset point of just like, whoa, that I go back into that. That was really good, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> really well said. I Thank completely you. agree. If you put your mm. worth in in other things like people's self out like pe- not people's self validation, but people's <laughs> validation, you're mm-hmm. not gonna be filled up by that. Like the only thing you can be filled up with is Christ and His love for you. But it is really hard to even imagine mm-hmm. like a life without other people's validation mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I do really love that. But you just I have to continuously remind myself, like Emily said, that this is not everything and I'm not defined by what other people Mm -hmm. say about me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm defined by what the Lord says about me. Yeah, in the same way, I feel like I can go through different seasons of needing it and not needing it as much, but something that I always have to keep reminding myself over and over again is that I'm like striving to be more like Christ and like with that, a big one for me is humility and just constantly kind of like checking myself like, Am I doing this act of service because out of my humble heart I want to, or is it is there a motive behind it? And I think sometimes there is a motive behind it. And and when I'm healthier, it is generally because I like helping people. But I think not getting that validation would be hard for me in some seasons. But if I have if I'm seeking the right things and if I'm in a really healthy state, it wouldn't um, affect me as much not to receive that. But it's definitely all about where I'm setting my eyes and what I'm seeking in that moment and just like focusing on being humble and like serving out of humility versus being prideful, which can easily be like something that I get into if I'm unhealthy. That is so good. I feel like it can go the same for like the bad words will resonate with you that people are saying and you have to, you know, go back to your identity in Christ. But I think it's just the same for the good words. You know, Mm -hmm. you like love hearing the good words so much and you your ego kind of gets pumped up in that way of like, man, I need to seek humility in this. So I think that's so true. And in the same way, like I could find myself holding on to like the amazing compliment that I got for like weeks more than I do like what I read in the Bible, you know, Mm -hmm. like I could like some, like a lot of times that means more to me than like what the Lord says about me, which is like 
not true. You know, like that doesn't matter as much, but it's just, you just have to check yourself like what matters more and yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on to the She's Going Places podcast. You guys really, I know we got in there and we asked some nitty gritty questions, but I seriously think this will help literally everyone. Everyone knows it too loves a two or is a two so thank you guys so much thanks for having us